And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Here to convince you that reality is usually scoffed at and illusion is usually king. But in the battle for the survival of this republic, it's going to be reality and not illusion or delusion that will determine the future. We're streaming live on iHeartRadio and available as a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at RightNowJimDawes. Prefer to send an email. The address is RightNowJimDawes at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail. The number for the vent line is 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. Well, I hope you had a great weekend and that you decompressed after the psychodrama that the Democrats drug us through last last week. Actually, it was a great week uh, to be a MAGA believer. It was a very, very bad week to be a Democrat. And um, on Friday, they had their their debate. I think this is about the sixth debate. They still have a crowded stage up there. Um, and there's not much new being said. I don't know why the Democrats would want to schedule a debate on a Friday evening where, when people are sick of uh, politics and want to do anything but watch a bunch of Democrats uh, promise to give away more free stuff and uh, and all sorts of unrealistic plans. But as I said, uh, you know, we're going into a new week now. Last week was a very, very bad week for the Democrats. Democrats had a very, very bad week. Let's take a look. Democrats' very bad week started Monday when the Iowa caucuses imploded. The Iowa caucuses in chaos. This is an epic failure by the Iowa State Democratic Party. What a mess. This is not the finish that anyone expected here in Iowa. Yikes. It continued Tuesday at the State of the Union where President Trump laid out a robust list of accomplishments and a vision for our future. I think the people where I came from will like the speech tonight. It's all good stuff. They didn't seem to like that. To have her stand up and tear up that speech uh, really dishonored the moment. How childish and petty is that? You can tear up the speech, but you can't tear up the accomplishments. On Wednesday, the Democrats' partisan impeachment fizzled out with a vote to acquit President Trump. President Trump has been acquitted on both impeachment articles. The president's approval rating also ticked up slightly as the impeachment process wore on. If you say winning and Doug Jones, Alabama voters will remember your vote to remove the president from office. Jones is speech was basically a kiss your seat goodbye speech. On Thursday, while Iowa Democrats were still counting votes, reality began to sink in. A 78-year-old socialist I am a socialist. may actually be their nominee. Bernie Sanders declared victory in Iowa. But what I want to do is to thank the people of Iowa for the very strong victory they gave us. That's when party leaders decided to burn it all down. NC Chair Tom Perez called on the Iowa Democratic Party to immediately begin re-canvassing the results. A bit of a head-scratching announcement What's your response to Tom Perez? I don't know what he's thinking. All while President Trump and Senate Republicans celebrated the end of the partisan impeachment. Friday started with another round of impressive news about job creation and historically low unemployment. We have a very strong jobs report here for the month of January. 225,000 net new jobs. And this job machine just keeps churning, you guys. While Democrats prepared for a New Hampshire debate, while still waiting on results from Iowa, America had a great week. Democrats, not so much. Not so much. It was a great week for uh, to be a Republican, and uh, 
You know, you you really you look at the trend lines. Um, actually, Donald Trump's approval rating didn't tick up; it went up substantially in the Gallup poll, which uh, wildly overweights Democrat respondents. He's up to fifty percent. So you can bet that the re the real number behind that poll is probably closer to sixty or even uh, the mid sixties. But um, they they also forgot in that little clip that on Friday the uh, D.C. Court of Appeals, on a unanimous decision, announced that they were dismissing the uh, Congressional Democrats' emoluments lawsuit. That was uh, the other big um, attempt to to get the rascally Donald Trump. It's sort of like watching uh, Wiley Coyote chasing the Roadrunner. But uh, I think Trump summed it up best, and I'm not sure I could say it better, uh, during that uh, East Room celebration, uh, post-acquittal celebration. It was all bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) It was all bullshit. Nancy Pelosi was uh, left sputtering and uh, incoherent, even worse than normal. Uh, And now the Democrats are really reduced to trying to take credit for Trump's economy. Because it was appalling to hear him try to take credit for something that he uh, and call what President Obama did a mess that he inherited when, in fact, it was a great advantage to the country uh, that President Obama's policies took us uh, to that very positive place of growth and of uh, job creation and deficit reduction. Took us to that very positive place of 1% growth, the lowest, weakest recovery in history. You know, normally the deeper a recession is, the more robust the recovery is. Well, that wasn't the case with Barack Obama because as America was trying to dig its way out of the hole that the uh, Wall Street dug us into, you had Obama up there passing regulation after regulation, killing jobs and destroying businesses. But that has become their new uh, go-to line that this great economy that we're seeing, Donald Trump isn't really responsible for that. That was uh, Barack Obama. We may not see economic times like this again, and my retirement accounts are doing... I mean, this is, obviously, while the Democrats are fumbling around with caucus results in Iowa, this is what America's seeing. A strong economy roars on, 11th year of the Obama recovery. 11th year of the Obama recovery. Finally, we've got a president up there that knows a little bit about markets and businesses, and uh, is, you know, free enterprise to his core, and he's taken the reins off of this economy. The Democrats' response now, and you heard it again on the Democrat debate on Friday night, is to try to say, to try to deny Trump is responsible for this historic economy, best wage growth in decades, best unemployment rate, uh, uh, lowest unemployment rate ever, and the Democrats are uh, now uh, realizing the spot that they're in because most people vote with their wallet. And so they're claiming uh, the Donald Trump economy really belongs to Barack Obama. It was all bullshit. It is all bullshit. So also uh, on Friday evening after after this show aired, 
we had um, finally um, Mr. Vindman and his his uh, scary looking brother. Both of them are scary looking, obviously. Marched out of the White House, and uh, and that sent the Democrats into another tizzy. Uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, said this goes too far and that she is going to consult with other congressional Democrats on what they're going to do about Donald Trump no longer wanting the services of Mr. Vindman or his brother. And they, uh, they're, they're trying to characterize Mr. Vindman as some sort of national hero because he engaged in this seditious conspiracy against Donald Trump. Whomever the nominee is, the president's going to make up. This is, I should have set this up. This is uh, Joe Biden at Friday night's Democrat debate. Whomever the nominee is, the president's going to make up lies about. He thinks he has free reign right now. One of the things that I think is really important is we have to be authentic with the American people about what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And by the way, Colonel Vindman got thrown out of the White House today, walked out. I think we should, at the same time, he should be pinning a medal on Vindman and not on Rush Limbaugh. And I think, I think we should be doing now. I think we should all stand and give Colonel Vindman a, a, a show of how much we supported him. Stand up and clap for Vindman. Well, I'm not surprised the Democrats all stood up and clapped for Vindman because that's just their kind of military man, someone who undermines the commander-in-chief, someone that uh, goes outside of the chain of command and leaked this bogus um, retelling of Trump's phone call. Recall that the whistleblower that Vindman leaked to claimed that uh, that Donald Trump eight separate times demanded investigations of Joe Biden in return for this military aid. They never thought that he would release the actual call. And when they did, you found out that almost everything that Vindman told the whistleblower and then the whistleblower turned around and put in that, uh, that report, that secondhand report that never should have uh, seen the light of day. And it was all, as Donald Trump would say, bullshit. Nancy said it's gone too far, and he had all of these Democrat candidates standing up for Vindman. I think it was um, it was Biden who said, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman, he said this on Twitter, has proven to be an American patriot. His firing was a clear and brazen act of retaliation that showcases the president's fear of truth, the vindictiveness which led Republican senators to be accomplices in Donald Trump's cover-up. Oh, man. Mr. Vindman was an insubordinate, seditious conspirator. He engaged in a, a, a palace coup against the commander-in-chief. And while he's been relieved of his position at the National Security Council, that he should have been relieved of as soon as Donald Trump walked into uh, the, the White House. He's not suffering any economic consequences. He's going to be reassigned. And I think I, I read that he's going to be reassigned teaching at the War College. That is absolutely inappropriate. At the very least, he ought to be reassigned to Ice Station Zebra on uh, uh, down in the Antarctic. He actually if these were normal times, would be court-martialed and relieved of his commission, and I think that's that's what truly should happen. Oh, Adam Schiff took to Twitter and he said, no president in my lifetime um, has been more, what, what did he say, uh, uh, treated service members 
worse. Well, uh, I, I guess if you don't count sending them off to useless wars in s-hole countries, but the fact of the matter is, no president in my lifetime has been more respectful of the military. Seditious conspirators like Mister Vindman aside. He has, uh, he has taken the reins off them and allowed them to do their jobs. When their jobs were done, he's pulled them out of these, uh, these disastrous, useless wars in the Middle East. And over the weekend, uh, we had two American service members killed in Afghanistan, and it appears that it was done um, so-called green on blue. In other words, uh, they were killed by their Afghan military um, people that they're training or leading over there. But they're all rushing to the aid of Mr. Vindman. Now, these, you have to remember, are the exact same people who thought it was just great when they entrapped General Mike Flynn, destroyed his his life, ran up $3 million in legal fees against him on this bogus made-up uh, perjury or lying to FBI investigators charge. Now they're all outraged that Mr. Venman's getting reassigned. He had Andrew Weissman on, uh, on MSNBC last week. Of course, Andrew Weissman was the, the guy that was actually conducting the so-called Mueller investigation. When Mueller gave his testimony afterwards, you could tell that he was totally unfamiliar with the specifics of the Russiagate hoax, he didn't even know who Fusion GPS was. And now Andrew Weissman, the uh, discredited pit bull prosecutor that they uh, that was actually running the thing, is a paid spoke or a, a paid talking head over there at MSNBC, and he let slip what was really the the objective of the whole Mueller investigation. Um, so I think um, you know, there was something very interesting when the Italians were trying to get rid of Berlusconi, and they had a, a very, very similar demagogue who also was amoral. And one of the ways they did it was you don't just talk about his you know, personal failings. You go to the facts, and you talk about why his policies are wrong. And I think that's what the Democrats have to point out, that all of this is just adjectives. There's actually a complete dearth of the president saying, what exactly is wrong with these people? What have they... What have they actually said that's incorrect? And the second point is, it is noticeable that the president mouths off today about this. But where was he in the House? Where was he in the Senate? Mm -hmm. He never submitted to an interview. He never testified under oath. It's true. The same happened in the Mueller case. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there's a classic reason. There is legal jeopardy that attaches if you sit for an interview or if you um, say something under oath to federal prosecutors, to the House, to the Senate. So if you notice, the president is happy to talk today about, oh, this is evil and these people are corrupt. But when it came time for him to sort of put up or shut up, which is, are you willing to actually say this under oath or even in an... So Weissman was basically uh, tipping his hand that the, the point of the Mueller investigation, they knew that there was nothing to the Russiagate hoax, but they thought that if they could get him to sit for an interview... And you'll recall Giuliani said he would he would be uh, uh, 
worthy of disbarment if he ever allowed that. The The purpose was to try to get Donald Trump to sit for an interview and then do one of these perjury traps similar to what they did on Michael Flynn. We're going to talk a little bit more about what's going on with the Flynn case, but right now I want to bring you up to speed uh, on the new business model that we're putting in place over here at Right Now with Jim Dawes. You know, I was listening to some of the spots that we were running last week, and um, I realized that I don't know for a fact that these uh, these companies that I'm advertising for on this show are on the up and up. I don't know that they're not on the up and up, but I, I, I don't have any personal experience with them, and it, it occurred to me that, you know, that is not fair for the listeners. In order to advertise on this show, I need to know that the products that uh, that I'm peddling are uh, are good value for the money and are um, are worthy of my listeners, and so what I've decided to do instead of uh, taking advertising is to sell uh, my own products, and I put together a store. <clears throat> you can find it at AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. And the, the first products I've got up there are something called Banana Bag. And they are an oral solution to address issues of uh, dehydration and, and feeling run down. And they've got lots of, of uh, great applications. If, you've got, uh, if you're dehydrated from illness uh, like the flu or a medical condition like, uh, you know, bariatric surgery or something, this is a perfect product to make sure that uh, not only are you hydrated, but you're getting all of the vitamins that are that you lose through dehydration, a, a complete battery of B vitamins that, uh, you know, people go to the doctor in order to get an injection to uh, restore their, their energy and vitality. This product is also good for uh, overexertion from exercise or even if you want to take it prior to exercise to get a good workout and make, and make sure that you are fully hydrated. It's great for low energy, as I said. It's also great for hangovers. Uh, you take one of these packets prior to uh, a night of partying, and you'll avoid the, the next day hangover. It's, um, it's formulated by a pharmacist um, that's a, um, the son of a, uh, a friend of mine, and I've looked into it, and uh, it's, it's an absolutely fantastic product. It's called Banana Bag. It's an oral solution. You can get a five-pack online for $15.50. Give it a try. If you like it, you can uh, reorder larger uh, quantities, or you know, you can put it in your, uh, your medicine cabinet in case somebody in your household comes down with the flu. It's absolutely great for that. Banana Bag oral solution also comes in a pediatric version. The, the adult version is, uh, is not sweetened. It only has... Uh, absolutely what you need. It's a blend of sodium, chloride, potassium, and dextrose with B vitamins added. And there are no other active ingredients to sweeten it. But if, uh, if you want to use it on one of your children who, who may have become dehydrated through illness, there's a pediatric version as well that's got a little bit of sweetener in it that'll make it uh, more palatable for the little one. So uh, give it a try. Run on over to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. That's AmericaFirstRadio.shop. Give it a look and give it a try. So last week, federal prosecutors have now announced that they are delaying or they're requesting that the court delay Michael Flynn's sentencing hearing. 
Uh, you'll recall that he now has a new lawyer in the form of uh, Sidney Powell, who's gone in and taken a look at his prior representation and realized that the law firm that was representing him and charged him over $3 million was loaded up with conflicts of interest and did not mount an effective defense of uh, General Flynn. And when she uh, uh, tried, uh, she filed a motion to withdraw Flynn's guilty plea, the Department of Justice initially said that they were going to request six months in jail. Then after they saw all of the discovery that Sidney Powell was able to secure showing the wrongdoing on the part of the FBI, they, uh, they knocked it down and they were just asking for probation. Well, now that the sentencing uh, hearing is approaching and Sidney Powell has not backed off, they've requested a delay that could result, that would probably result in, uh, in the hearing, sentencing hearing never taking place. So that's great news uh, uh, for, for General Powell. I hope that if and when Sidney Powell is able to get these charges dismissed, that uh, she will turn her sights on the, uh, the D.C. silk-stocking law firm that took General Flynn's money and did not give him aqu- uh, adequate representation. Another development in the Department of Justice is the FBI has been caught lying about their uh, investigation into the murder of Seth Rich. They uh, initially said that there was no investigation in response to Freedom of Information Act a request from Matai Clevenger. He is an activist attorney. Um, they found out that uh, there was, in fact, references to a Seth Rich investigation. Clevenger filed a Freedom of Information request with the FBI for all email correspondence between the head of counterterrorism, Peter Strzok, and his FBI attorney lover, Lisa Page, and the release of uh, two heavily redacted emails not only mentioned Seth Rich, but had Seth Rich as their main heading so while at the same time they're claiming there is no investigation into Seth Rich, turns out uh, Clevenger found out that there was, in fact, and the, the portions of the email that were redacted, they have to put uh, footnotes with the code, with a code saying why that particular redaction was in there. And these redactions carried a code that said that, that it dealt with ongoing investigations or prosecutions. So, in fact, the Department of Justice under Barack Obama did uh, launch at least an initial investigation into the murder of Seth Rich. But then, under the the, um, leadership of Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, did not follow up on it. So, the FBI was supposed to be in the early stages of how the DNC emails were leaked. We now know that part of that was uh, looking into the murder of Seth Rich, which still has not been. There are no leads. All of the the um, ghetto rats that they claim killed Seth Rich in a botched mugging 
has suddenly disappeared despite the fact that there's $200,000 reward out there for the arrest of someone in the Seth Rich murder. If the FBI really genuinely believed, as they claim, that they did not look into Seth Rich, why why are these emails showing that an investigation was ongoing? got to run out to a break you're going to hear two messages from the mojo radio network and then we'll be right back we'll get an update on the sars virus and uh the possibility that that may be a case of biological warfare stick with us we'll be right back after these messages on right now with jim dawes As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. Some call it insight. Others call it vision. At Pershing, we call it perspective. A perspective you'll benefit from, from a custodian you can rely on. One who can help navigate the big picture and whose products give you a competitive edge. One who considers everything. What will help you succeed today and tomorrow? Open yourself to a new perspective and open the possibilities. Consider everything. BNY Mellon Pershing. Learn more at pershing.com RIA. Pershing Advisor Solutions, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Bringing you the news behind the news, the story behind the story. So there have been numerous. Freedom of Information Act request to the Department of Justice and the FBI asking for everything they had on the Seth Rich investigation and the response from Obama's uh, Department of Justice was there is no Seth Rich investigation and we don't have anything to produce for you. Well, now, uh, in response to another FOIA request, it's come out that there was, in fact, an investigation opened and uh, the information that was uh, discovered was, in fact, redacted, showing uh, that very fact that they were redacted because they dealt with ongoing investigations and prosecutions. So we're going to have to watch that and see how it develops. I want to talk about the coronavirus. You know, I, I, I covered that early on, and then I sort of pulled back on it, believing that maybe it was being overblown by the, by the media. They like to hype stories, especially uh, stories like this that uh, that get people worried but now um this this uh coronavirus has been declared a pandemic by the world health organization and the deaths the ones that the chinese communists admit to have exceeded the former sars outbreak and uh, it's starting to shape up like a real threat uh, not only to the health uh, of people in china but uh, it is now got 11 or or 15 confirmed cases in the United States. And as I dug into this, I'm learning that uh, 
a, a lot of what we're being told about the coronavirus and its origins in that uh, so-called wet market, food market over in, in China is not holding up to scrutiny. So I want to start the coverage on this topic by, uh, by just bringing you up to speed with this report. Days, Dr. Li Wenliang went from treating patients to becoming one. The 34-year-old ophthalmologist diagnosed Saturday with the Wuhan coronavirus, dying less than a week later in the same hospital in which he worked. But if action had been taken when he and others started sounding alarms, the severity of the outbreak might have been understood sooner. Struggling to communicate, Lee spoke with CNN briefly by phone on January 31st. You could hear the hospital machines pulsing in the background. It was back in late December when Lee first warned friends on WeChat about a SARS-like disease going around. Lee sent a group message saying that a test result from a patient quarantined at the hospital where he worked showed a patient had a coronavirus. But hours after hitting send, Wuhan City health officials tracked Lee down, questioning where he got the information. Within days, they closed the suspected source of the virus, this seafood market, and they announced the outbreak. But instead of being praised, Lee got a call from Wuhan City police. With Lee coughing too much and breathing too poorly to speak by phone, we asked Lee by text, how did you feel when this happened? I felt a little afraid, afraid I would be detained, afraid my family would worry, Lee responded. He agreed to sign this document, admitting to spreading rumors online and severely disrupting social order. It reads, we want you to cooperate with the police and listen to our reminder and stop the illegal act. Can you do that? Lee answered, yes, I can. In the weeks that followed, the Wuhan Municipal Health Commission maintained that there was no obvious evidence for human-to-human transmission, no infection of healthcare workers, and that the outbreak was, in their words, preventable and controllable. And with that, the people of Wuhan continued about their normal lives. Then came a sudden jump in infections. China's central government took over, scrambling to contain a spreading virus with a rising death toll. Chinese state media first reported that Li was one of several whistleblowers silenced by police. So their initial response over in Wuhan, China, a city of 11 million people, that's bigger than New York City, was to try to keep a lid on this. And you would wonder why you wouldn't have an an instant and robust response to this virus that uh, was very similar to the SARS virus and its uh, lethality and easily transmittable. And uh, we're now learning through reporting by Bill Gertz of the Washington Times that, in fact, this virus, uh, the origin of it, which is claimed to be this wet market, if you don't know what a wet market is in, in China, because they had such a huge population and such an underdeveloped uh, agriculture and food sector, uh, they eat uh, just about any animal that they can get their hands on for protein. And uh, even now that, you know, they uh, they have more um, sanitary foods available to them, they sort of uh, adopted this culture uh, where they eat things like bats and lizards and dogs and cats and such things. I actually saw one of these wet markets when I was in the Navy in Hong Kong, and it is a, a disturbing sight. Uh, not only for its lack of of uh, sanitary conditions, but because of the the things that these people are willing to eat. But it turns out this wet market where they're claiming this coronavirus originated is only twenty miles from a uh, a lab that is believed to be engaging in uh, 
germ warfare development. And I'm going to play you a clip. This is from Bill Gertz of the Washington Times, who's done reporting on this. He's immediately been attacked, of course, as a conspiracy theorist. But Bill Gertz is a national security reporter with a long history of, of breaking stories. He was appearing on a, uh, a radio show in Washington, D.C., on station WMAL, Mornings on the Mall, uh, to discuss this. Is it, is it well, going to kill us all? <laughs> it's spreading very rapidly, and unlike uh, previous outbreaks, um, the problem has been that this uh, virus, this coronavirus uh, from Wuhan, uh, doesn't show its symptoms while it's still very contagious, whereas in the past, uh, the contagion didn't begin until you, you started to have symptoms, uh, pneumonia-like symptoms. So that's the problem with this one. And spreading so rapidly and containing it has been very difficult. The other thing is the idea that it began in a, a seafood market is not holding up. A group of Chinese researchers said that the very first case, which dis- was detected on December 1st, uh, had nothing to do with this seafood market. And uh, also, it, Wuhan is also the location of China's sole level four research facility. That's the place where they do research on deadly viruses. Okay, th- this is all adding up into some, like, you know, <laughs> nightmare. Because when you say, when you add, when you put all of those facts in that order, it sounds like they just manufactured a disease and it got out of control by accident, perhaps. Well, you know, the World Health Organization had a meeting yesterday, and they were asked, uh, why hasn't China allowed experts from the Centers for Disease Control into China? And uh, the head of the organization said, well, that's up to uh, the United States and and China to work it out. But uh, as you mentioned, uh, Secretary Azar said that we're trying to get our people in there who some of the best experts in the world and China for some strange reason is resisting that. Do you believe that China is understating the number of people who've been impacted by this? Well, I think that they don't have a good handle on it again because of this uh, the way that it spreads. Um, it uh, I've seen estimates that again they they say that's up to over 6,000 people that are infected, 132 have died, but again, the the data on numbers is 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 very vague because the whole country is on lockdown to try and prevent the spread of this disease. Well, it's not again, it's not clear because they don't have good information and the Chinese have not been forthcoming enough to let people come in there and, and, and look at the, uh, the details and, and data. Um, what the World Health Organization said yesterday in their press conference was that it's clearly as lethal as the uh, pandemic of 1918, which killed, you know, estimated 50 million people worldwide. Mm-hmm. So it is serious. Uh, and again, one of the differences is this idea that it can be spread without someone having any symptoms. So far, it seems contained to China, mainly in this one Hubei province, which is where uh, Hub- uh, Wuhan is located. Does China have a history of biological warfare programs at all, in your, in your knowledge? Yes, they do. In fact, uh, they have a covert biological weapons program. I, I noted in a story I did last week that uh, the State Department has an annual uh, arms control compliance report, and they noted that China signed up to the Biological Weapons Convention in 1985, but this report said that there are suspicions that China has been continuing work on offensive biological weapons since 1985, and the way they do that is they 
they have some suspicious activities, what they call dual use, both civilian and military use. And, and a lot of uh, Chinese uh, activities, whether it's uh, chemical or biological, are often mixed together with civilian laboratories. So back in 1985, uh, the United Nations got all the, uh, the nations to sign on to a ban on the development of biological weapons. And uh, so if the Chinese were going to continue to develop biological weapons, they were going to have to do it in civilian laboratories. And, of course, you know that the Chinese Communist Party controls every aspect of, uh, of China's defense industries and every other industry, for that matter. And last July, there was an article in the Institute for Defense Studies by a, uh, a fellow named uh, Shalom. He is a a former uh, researcher for the Israeli military, and he shows. uh, He said that uh, this Wuhan Institute was engaged in some aspects of biological weapons development. He said that the um, the institute uh, was conducting research on Ebola and uh, hemorrhagic diseases from uh, the Crimean and the Congo. And uh, it was discovered that uh, one of the uh, scientists in Canada had exported several of the most uh, virulent and deadly viruses that they had in their possession to that Wuhan laboratory. So uh, China has declared that this, uh, this Wuhan facility uh, is their highest level virus study institute. And... Mr. Shalom, who is uh, well qualified and wrote about this before this latest outbreak, believes that they're involved in Chinese biological weapons development. The uh, uh, Gertz mentioned there that the uh, Chinese were denying access to uh, the CDC. You probably know that the CDC is based in Atlanta. It's just outside of Atlanta uh, near Emory University. But uh, I was an Atlanta firefighter that uh, had response um, area to the CDC. And we were told that if we ever responded there, our, our purpose was not to extinguish the fire because the... the um, Viruses and the germs contained there uh, represented such a hazard. It was better to let them burn. Our, our instructions were we were supposed to just try to contain the fire to the uh, to the laboratories. And you can imagine if an outbreak of one of these uh, viruses that was contained in the CDC showed up in Atlanta, just twenty miles. From the CDC, everybody would be rightly suspicious that the CDC was the source of this. And that's exactly what's going on in Wuhan, China. Of all the places in China, which is a huge country, for this latest virus that is extremely deadly, it has a lethality rate of approaching 14%, could originate just, you know, in the so called wet market, just 20 miles away. That doesn't pass the the smell test. And we know that the People's Republic of China is denying entry into the CDC 
and their expertise that might be able to pinpoint the actual uh, uh, point of origin of this this uh, virus. The lab is located about 20 miles from this so-called seafood market where they have these live uh, wet markets. And we're supposed to believe that uh, there's, there's nothing to it. Move along. The good news is uh, it's breaking that uh, a, uh, a doctor in Washington State was able to successfully treat coronavirus patients with an experimental antiviral medication and, in fact, was able to send them home. I wonder if uh, uh, the Chinese will allow um, allow the use of that uh, of that experimental treatment. I want to remind you again that uh, we've got a new source of products for you. It's called AmericaFirstRadio.shop online at AmericaFirstRadio.shop. And our first two products up there are a banana bag oral solution for adults and for children. It contains high doses of B and C vitamins, electrolytes, and other uh, active ingredients. There are no preservatives, no artificial uh, sweeteners in the adult version, no dyes. It's all GMO and gluten-free, and it's great for the treatment of dehydration from overexertion. Sounds like a great product for the fire service, actually. Or from uh, dehydration from illness, the flu, or... uh, uh, diarrhea. You can also use it uh, to increase your energy prior to a workout, maintain your hydration, to treat medical conditions that you may suffer from. A lot of people have to go to a hospital and get a, an IV because they're subject to dehydration. And it is an absolutely great product to either prevent or to treat hangovers. We've got free shipping, same day um, shipping. Go to AmericaFirstRadio.shop. Try a five-pack of this banana bag oral solution for just $15.50 for free shipping. So let's turn our attention to the, well, you know, before I get to the Democrat debate, I want to highlight uh, an incident that happened right here in Jacksonville, Florida, where uh, another one of these deranged Democrats drove a van through a tent where Republicans were conducting a voter registration drive. And uh, after he narrowly missed just by six inches running someone over, he got out of his van and uh, was shouting at the Republicans and shooting them the bird. And this is another one of these, you know, these Democrats that have been absolutely pushed over the edge by uh, this anti-Trump hysteria that the Democrats and the media have whipped up. But, you know, uh, in Democrat cities throughout this nation, they turn a blind eye to uh, this political terrorist organization, Antifa, while they're attacking um, people in the street and and, uh, engaging in political terrorism, accusing anybody that disagrees with them of being a Nazi. And then, of course, once you accuse someone of being a Nazi, it's perfectly okay to assault them or or do whatever. In in the case that happened in Jacksonville, it appears to be attempted murder. And I think one of the first things that ought to be done 
when Congress returns this week is to start uh, pushing legislation to to target this Antifa group, uh, pass uh, laws against wearing masks. One of the main tactics they use to keep from having to be held accountable for their assaults is they wear masks. And the Republicans in Congress should absolutely forward legislation to ban that and put Democrats on the spot, force them to defend it if they want to. So at Friday night's um, Democrat debate held up in New Hampshire, it appeared to me watching it that the the big winner was Donald Trump, and, and the Democrats are becoming keenly aware now that through his America First policies that has uh, revved up this economy and this historic low unemployment rate, that, that blacks, which are, are the key voting bloc in the Democrat coalition, are coming to realize that uh, Donald Trump is doing a lot to improve their lives. This is a, a talking head named Jamal Simmons over on uh, the the uh, uh, on Face the Nation on Sunday. I'm going to send this flag up to the Democratic Party. People need to understand this. We talked to Terrence Woodbury, who's a a young African-American pollster. He has been saying for months that he thinks Trump is going very hard at African-American men, particularly younger African-American men, Kim and Kanye West, uh, ASAP Rocky getting out of Sweden, uh, HBCU money. He's got a whole list of things the president has been doing. I think they're not going to let up. And he doesn't have to win it. He just has to tick it up a couple of points in some key places to have it count. And Democrats need to have a candidate who really has a strategy about how to deal with that. And if Bernie- well, right now, Donald Trump is uh, at about a 35% approval rating uh, among blacks. And uh, again, when you look at these polls, as they were applied to Donald Trump, you got to add between five and 10 points to them for uh, the way these questions are formulated and, and the desired outcome that the pollsters want to achieve. But Donald Trump won this debate last Friday night. Um, there was a question at one point where uh, they, uh, they they were talking about Bernie Sanders, who apparently has won the Iowa caucus now. And the moderator asked, um, is there anybody concerned about a socialist? And they need uh, we need to stop using that term socialist. What he is is a Marxist. But the moderator asked, is there anybody else concerned about uh, a socialist, a, a vowed, declared socialist leading the ticket. Let me just ask, is anyone else on the stage concerned about having a Democratic socialist at the top of the Democratic ticket? I'm not. <laughs> Senator Klobuchar? <laughs> so remember that first debate when when uh, the moderator asked, uh, does everybody here agree with uh, government-sponsored health care for illegal aliens? Every single one of the Democrats on the stage raised their hand and now the moderator asked is anybody concerned about a socialist uh representing the democrat party the only person that raised her hand and she did it after a long hesitation was amy klobuchar and you know this is uh this is just this uh, far leftward drift of the democrat party that no longer represents a traditional American values. The only one on stage that, well, I guess I should play this clip. Uh, this was after the debate. 
when they were talking about that uh, that moment where none of the Democrats, other than Amy Klobuchar, after a long hesitation, uh, raised their hand that they would uh, uh, they were concerned about a socialist heading the ticket. To talk about the issue of this campaign, it is that word socialism. Some people like it. Younger people like it. Those of us like me who grow up in the, grew up in the Cold War and saw some aspects of it after visiting places like Vietnam, like I have, and seeing countries like Cuba being there. I've seen what socialism is like. I don't like it. Okay? It's not only not free, it doesn't freaking work. It doesn't freaking work. And the result of uh, these Marxist socialist policies, every time they've been tried is a 100% tax rate. The government ends up coming in once they've destroyed the the work ethic and the motivation to actually get up in the morning, and they end up uh, having 100% taxes in order to try to deliver all of these goodies that they've promised in order to maintain power. These democratic socialists you see now are just skipping the early stages. They're promising free health care and reparations and uh, free college tuition, and in the case of Andrew Yang, uh, a guaranteed check every month of $1,000, which will increase. This is the same ideology that was responsible for killing over 100 million people in the 20th century and has wrecked every nation in which it's been, it's been tried. Here's Andrew Yang saying, I just want to give money away. With, with respect, you can't regulate away racism with a whole patchwork of laws that are race-specific. What we have to do is heed the writings of Martin Luther King, whose birthday we just celebrated. He said that capitalism forgets that life is social, and what he was championing was a guaranteed minimum income for all Americans of $1,000 a month or more that would end up reshaping our economy. Well, we do know that Martin Luther King had ties to the the Communist Party, and he went to many of their workshops and was uh, celebrated by them. I do not remember Martin Luther King ever championing guaranteed health care for every American. And you had old Tom Steyer up there. He's another one of these candidates on the far ends of the debate stage. He's competing for black votes by promising them free money. Here with you, Andrew. I am the person on this stage who will say openly, I'm for reparations. Something wrong happened. I am for reparations to African Americans in this country, and anyone who thinks that racism is a thing of the past and not an ongoing problem is not dealing with reality. Well, Tom Steyer is not the only one that supports reparations and has openly said so. So has Bernie Sanders. So has Elizabeth Warren. So has Joe Biden. I can't remember if uh, uh, Bud Juice has supported reparations, but I, you know, in the case of Yang, he doesn't have to support reparations. He supports uh, giving everybody reparations, apparently. So we got to talk about uh, uh, Pete Butt Juice. He uh, he is now the Democrat establishment's darling. He is a former McKinsey. Um, consultant. If you don't know who McKinsey is, they're very similar to Bain and company. Um, Mitt Romney's company that uh, who specialized in vulture capitalism, going in and hollowing out companies, uh, selling off their parts for profit, then stealing their retirement funds. That's how he made his fortune. 
Pete Budjuice is one of these uh, these type corporate shills who's getting lots and lots of money from uh, from you know Wall Street billionaires. Another thing that happened in the Democrat debate is uh, is the moderator Jake Tapper or not Jake Tapper um, Stephanopoulos initially uh, asked you know the candidates whether they condemned the the killing of Suleimani. And apparently none of them could bring themselves to say that they did. I'm trying to find these clips here for you. Here we go. Here is Bernie Sanders. You cannot go around saying you're a bad guy. We're going to assassinate you. And then you're going to have, if that happens, you're opening the door to international anarchy. Anarchy if you kill terrorists. You can't kill terrorists that are responsible for killing Americans. That's anarchy. Here's old Pete Butchus. And while there's still debate about whether or not there was an imminent threat, there is no debate about whether or not Soleimani was a bad actor who was responsible for the deaths of many Americans. Given what you know about Soleimani, if your national security team came to you with an opportunity to strike, would Soleimani have been dead or would he still be alive under your presidency? In the situation that we saw with President Trump's decision, there is no evidence that that made our country safer. No evidence. You, you've got a guy with blood on his hands of hundreds of American troops, but we don't have any evidence that it, it made any difference. Here's what Trump had to say about that particular development. Ron still an enemy of the United States. Well, you know, it's funny. An unprecedented assault. Hundreds of Shiite militia and their supporters today laying siege to the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad. The words, Soleimani is our leader, spray-painted in red under a broken window at the U.S. Embassy. An American civilian contractor died today in a rocket attack. Ron does support this uh, militia responsible for the death of an American contractor. Marez Walid Hamid was buried here on Saturday. Here in Sacramento, a family. The left Democrats have expressed outrage over the termination of this horrible terrorist. And you- so these Democrat candidates can't even bring themselves to support America defending herself from terrorism. It's really unbelievable. Come back tomorrow and we'll cover the rest of this right here on Right Now with Jim Dawes. Need an extra hand with dinner? Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot. And Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology will fill it with the perfect amount of water. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to discover more. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com slash voice IQ to see how voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.